Hello everyone, Shane Albarani with you here for another episode of the Huntington University Comets podcast. It is Guy Dupuis Day on the show, and uh, Guy Dupuis, one of the greatest Comets of all time. His number two hangs from the Raptors. He has got championships for days, and that's what we talk about. We talk about those championships, where he came from, how he came to Fort Wayne, and what he's doing now, and he had some terrific stories about uh, going to training camp with the Detroit Red Wings. So if you're a Red Wings fan, you'll find this one particularly interesting as well. But uh, it was a wonderful conversation. It was great to get Guy. And uh, here we go. Guy Dupuis on the Huntington University Comets Podcast. Guy Dupuis, my brother, how you doing? You look very spry. You look like you could be in the lineup tomorrow night. <laughs> well, thanks. I'm not sure about your vision, how good your vision is, but... Uh, <laughs> Thank you for the compliments, and I, I feel good. I feel good. You know, I'm, do, I'm doing good. Yeah. Staying busy at work, and, and then when I'm not at work, I'm with my kids and my family, and, and uh, I just can't believe it's been uh, like 10 or 11 years since I retired from hockey. Yeah. So time just flies. It doesn't you know? it? <laughs> time just flies. Seasons fly. Just right. So that we, you know, you guys just won the cup uh, three, four months ago. Yeah. An awesome. Oh, Here right. we are. Yeah. Opening night tomorrow night. So. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, wow, you uh, the kids. I mean, how many do you have now? Was it, uh, was it four? Uh, three, three. Three kids, yeah. Okay. Got a 24-year-old uh, daughter, Brooke. She just uh, moved out of the house uh, in May, and uh, she built her own house and, and living with her boyfriend, Evan. And uh, uh, she, she, they tried to uh, um, – buy a house but it's so difficult in the, the market yeah. so they, they, they got frustrated and they, they just built the house so uh but anyway so she just moved out in may and got my son uh 22 year old uh mitchell uh he's in, in fifth year at ipfw uh finishing his me- mechanical en- engineer degree and uh, he's still living at home um and i got matthew uh matthew my son he, he's got uh He's 15 years old. He's he's got uh, he's got special needs. He's got Down syndrome. Um, oh wow! But gr- great kid. Uh, you know, uh, sharp. Um, he <coughs> a little bit hard headed. Yeah. Maybe just like yeah. his mom a little bit. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he, uh, you know, he he definitely uh, yeah. good good great kid. Um, he, you know, he he's athletic. He loves all sports. Yeah. And, uh, uh, doing well at school. Uh, he's my only kid that enjoys school and can't wait to go to school. <laughs> they had their fall break um, last week, Friday, Saturday, yeah. Sunday, and then Monday. Monday night, he tells, he asked my wife, um, Mom, school tomorrow? And she goes, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, good. Good. He was all excited. <laughs> so, you know, Good, all prompts to him, you know, that yeah. he's the only kid that I, and I never enjoy school. I just <laughs> did it. I, I was, not that I was smart, but I always did good grades because I really wanted to get good grades. Right. And I had to really work at it, but I did not like school. Uh, I don't think my wife liked school. My kids didn't like it, but my son with special needs loves it. So... <laughs> There you go. What do you, what do, you do, Shane? Yeah. Uh, well, let's. Uh, I mean, let's go all the way back. Let's go back to. I mean, you grew up in Moncton, right? Moncton, yeah. yeah. Moncton, New Brunswick. So north of Maine, uh, probably 24 hours away from here. Yeah. So, yep. And I and I left. Uh, um, <coughs> my 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 town is right beside Monc- Moncton. It's Memramcook. 
So a French town, um, 5,000 population, and uh, probably 30 minutes away from Moncton officially. Moncton is bilingual, English and French. Uh, Memorial Cook's all French. Um, so, you know, growing up, it's only when I would go to Moncton to to the mall or, or you know, to the grocery store that we would, you know, encounter English. Or if we watch Hockey Night, Hockey Night in Canada or baseball, Blue Jays, or the Expos, yeah. you hear yeah. English on TV. So, but, uh, yeah. So, and then at 16 years old, I got drafted in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League uh, to the Hull Olympics. And at that time, it was uh, Wayne Gretzky, the owner of the uh, the Hull Olympics. Uh, okay. So, Hull, now it's Gatineau. Right, right. Um, uh, Gatineau Olympics, right across from Ottawa. And, and uh, so I got drafted by them. And when I was 16, the only reason my my mom, uh, my mom, my dad let me leave uh, because it was 12 hours away from my home yeah. town. So 16, the only reason they left me uh, leave home is because they thought that, oh, my mom didn't think I was going to make the team. So she said, <laughs> all right, yeah, go ahead, go try it. And, uh, you know, just helped her sleep at night going well I'm not gonna be in his way and he's not gonna he's not gonna tell me that the rest of my life that uh, he, you know he didn't have a chance yeah. to go play hockey so anyway she let me uh, go try out and at Christmas time uh, I you know I called her she goes that's the only time that she really realized she, she realized that wow he's done now he's gonna <laughs> yeah. he's gonna stay there and, and play for the whole year so anyway so I played there for four years uh, my, my second year I got drafted by uh, Detroit Red Wings, uh, third round, 47 picked overall. And then so I finished my four years of uh, Hall, um, uh, Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And then after that, I, I played I played a couple of years with Adirondack Red Wings, the farm team of Detroit in Glens Falls, New York. And then my third year, then came over here. Uh, Detroit, sent, I was still under contract. They sent me to Fort Wayne, and that's where I started my stint here uh, for eight years or seven years <laughs> yeah it was quite the stint yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so but uh, th that's all the yeah so uh, um well let's go back i mean when did you uh, you always been a defenseman was uh, did you ever play forward or was that was always <coughs> going to be good question no <laughs> i i started as a forward you did uh, yeah my my, uh, my brother and i my brother was one year older and uh he was a forward i was a forward uh and doing well, uh, you know, I was in the top uh, couple kids in my team. And then it, at uh, uh, Midget, I was 14 years old, and Midget was 15 and 16 years old. Uh, and then we tried out, my brother was 15, and we tried out for a, a Midget AAA team in Moncton. And I was, so I was underage, but I, I tried out, to, you know, and as a Ford. The coach came to my my father, my brother, and I, and he goes, "Hey, uh, Bobby, my brother was going to make the team, and he said hey, you're not going to make the team right now as a forward, but we have some openings on defense, and if you want, you can you can switch and try it out." Yeah. I'm like, "Hey, I just want to make the team, you know, right, right, goalie, defense, Doesn't Zamboni matter. guy, <laughs> mascot, whatever you want to do," and so I tried out on defense and and. Uh, it, it just seemed like it really opened up the whole game um you know as a forward when things were when you're in the the action and and there's so many things going on it was tough for me to really be aware of everything around my shoulders and, and you know when you're um, 
in the slot and stuff. They're so, it happened so fast. And as a defenseman, everything was in front of you. And yeah. I could see it uh, developing. And I could jump up when I wanted or come back. And I would see everything in front. And, and it just made the whole world a difference yeah. for me. And I, I just thrived. Uh, front or thrived. I mean, I guess I, I got the best out of talent I had. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and that's where I, you know, uh, <clears throat> if it was, wasn't for that, I would have never played one. Between <laughs> me and you, I would have never played one game pro. <laughs> and seriously, uh, you know, I ended up playing yeah. uh, 21 years pro. And if I would have stuck to, to forward, I would have just been an average right. player, maybe played uh, major junior. Probably not. Yeah. And uh, so, very fortunate that uh, I wasn't going to make the midget triple-A team. The coach says, <laughs> do you want to try to play defense? Going back to the blue line. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you're uh, drafted in the NHL. I mean, that's a that's a thrill. I mean, it's something that, that obviously doesn't happen to very many people. But, uh, I mean, what was that like when you get your name called, when you get that feeling? Great. It was I just remember I got my name called. Uh, I was in the stands at the uh, Montreal Forum. Shook hands, hugged with my fam, hugs and, and you know shook hands with my, my family and, and my uh, uh, relatives. And then on my way down, I just felt like you know I, I, I weighed thirty pounds. <laughs> I felt so light, and, and it was I couldn't believe it. You know, so excited. Um, now that was the I got drafted the third round, forty-seven picked overall. And the, um, they had me kind of pegged for it in the top 26. Uh, so maybe, maybe the end of the first, because yeah. back then it was only 21 teams. Right. And, and uh, um, the central scouting had me maybe the end of the first, uh, possibly uh, start of the second. So at the, you know, the 25th pick, 26th pick, I could see my father going, T taking the deep side, like, ooh, because I was a, it, it, it was an 18 year old, as an 18 or a 17 year old, I had to go the first three rounds. So okay. only the first three rounds you can go. So my, it was as, as an underage, you know? So anyway, uh, I could, I could sense my, my father taking deep sides because he, we, uh, we, we drove to Montreal, uh, 12 hours away and then stayed in hotels and if I wasn't going to go in the first yeah. few rounds you know I'm sure <laughs> it would have been too pleased so anyway uh, I was he was so excited that you know I ended up going with Detroit and and, uh, and so forth but it was really exciting are you are folks still around are, yeah my yeah? folks are still around my, my father's probably I, th I think he's 74 my, my, my mom or 74 75 my mom's 78 and uh, they're still around I got my uh, uh, brother uh, in Moncton. Uh, he just retired. He's 21 years old. He, he was a phys ed teacher yeah. in schools for 30 years. And then I got a sister in, in Moncton also. I got a sister in, in uh, Montreal teaching in college. Um, so I got three siblings. These are my parents. And you're the only one who uh, got to the U.S. who's, who's staying here. <laughs> who else is in Canada? <laughs> Everybody's in Canada. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to see them last couple of years. Right, you right. know, So... Uh, uh, did a few um, you know, Zoom calls and, and, and talked a little bit more on the phone, but uh, uh, hopefully next year that uh, the borders will be open and I'll be able to, to go visit him again, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it is what it is. I know a lot of players have, have uh, had to sacrifice a lot of that, but, you know, it, mm -hmm. it, that's what it is right now. But like you said, hopefully everything is going to open up and uh, be a little bit better uh, down the road. And mm -hmm. But, uh, hey, uh, it is what it is, folks, but uh, – 
Uh, so, all right, you, you're uh, drafted by Detroit. You play that season in uh, Adirondack. Great arena. Still the same arena. Still the same place. I mean, it's still uh, – Still an awesome old barn, uh, which we'll go to later on this year. But, um, yeah, so you, you play those two. So you got your, your taste of pro hockey. Then you come to Fort Wayne. So let's pick up the story there. You're coming to Fort Wayne. And uh, what is the feeling now that you've been loaned from Detroit to Fort Wayne? Uh, to be honest, uh, my first reaction um, went when Barry Melrose, I was playing there, and Barry Melrose was my head coach then around that. Um, you know, I, I came in the dressing room. And it, it was on the, the blackboard. Uh, Guy come and see me in my office. Yeah. I was like, ooh, you know, <laughs> like, it can't be good. So went in his office and he says, Guy, I'm, I'm going to, we're going to, Detroit, we're going to loan you guys, loan you to uh, uh, Fort Wayne. And I really, I guess I didn't know where Fort Wayne right. was. And I, I knew a Fort Worth, <laughs> so Texas, yeah. and I, you know, yeah. right away I was like, ooh, is yeah. this in Texas? He goes, no, no, it's in Indiana. I was like, okay. Yeah. I said, uh, all right, hey, it is what it is, and I'm going to pick up some maps and, and, and uh, figure them out. We didn't have GPS back then. Right. <laughs> Buy a few maps at the corner store and, and uh, uh, head my head west, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just remember coming here in my first three, four games, um, you know, not playing, being a healthy scratch. We had a lot of defensemen. Uh, we probably had 10 defensemen, 9 to 10 defensemen on the roster. And uh, uh, my first and then my first reaction of watching games from the stands was like, wow, this, this crowd is electric. Yeah. And, they're, you know, they had a really an exciting team. You, know, you guys had a, a fast team, an offensive team, a tough team. You guys almost had everything. Uh, you know, it was 90, uh, 91, 92, yeah. uh, and, and the fans were into it, you know, and I, I, I couldn't believe, I, I thought Adirondack had great fans, but, uh, here, you know, it, it didn't take much, uh, a couple hits and, and everybody was into the game, uh, a fight, everybody was into the, all the fans were in, in the game, even though if there was a couple of slow, uh, uh shifts, all of a sudden, we had a little kid dancing like MC Hammer, and then fans got into it. <laughs> I, I remember that. <laughs> and then we had the Twister getting yeah. up, you know, and yeah. Elvis impersonation. Yeah. And also the fans were getting into little things like yeah. that, you know, things like that, entertainment. And uh, I just thought, wow, what a great uh, place to play and for a place that I never had heard of before. Yeah. And um, so I, I feel very, uh, you know, and once I, I put my, once I got in the lineup and, uh, you know, Things went well for me, and, and Al decided to keep me on the team, and uh, went from there. So I, I, I just feel re really blessed, though. Uh, all in all, to, to have played 13 years yeah. or 12 and a half uh, here in Fort Wayne, just because uh, what, a, what a great place. Uh, you know, the fans are. You know, it, to me, they're a little bit like the the Yankee fans. Uh, they're they're passionate and they keep you honest. Uh, they keep the re definitely the referees on us, <laughs> but if if you uh, if you play good, they'll be they'll be behind you and and, and cheer louder than any other uh, rink that I played in in minor leagues. And, and if you don't bring the effort, they're gonna let you know. You know, and many times, Dupuy, get off the ice, <laughs> you bleep bleep bleep. Uh, so uh, you know they keep you honest, yeah. and they keep you on your toes, and, and you know what you're gonna get. So. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, definitely was blessed to be able to play 13 years in front of a crowd like that. I think when you had your number retired, you had a great quote that you'll, I, I think you said something, now I get to sit in the stands and yell, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, it, it's funny though. That the, um, and I, I'm not sure, I'm not as sure, or so sure that now they yell, shoot as often as right. they did back. Right. Uh, I just seen when, it, when we played, uh, you know, <laughs> as soon as we got inside the, the opposite, uh, the, the offensive zone, you'd hear you'd hear a lot of shoots. You know, even though you had three, four guys in front of you that would have been a miracle to get through, you'd hear shoot. You know, and shoot. And, and so anyway, uh, definitely um, uh, it was fun and very, very blessed. Like I said, and, and uh, excited to play in a place like this. If you're gonna play in the minors, this is yeah one of the top two, three places out there. I played in another place that. Uh, was very similar in, uh, in passionate fans, and that was Hershey, Pennsylvania. Right, right. I mean, the two biggest fan bases in minor league hockey. I mean, it's Fort Wayne and Hershey, so you got the taste of both. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, so uh, just a lot of fun to, to, to play in front of fans like that. And I played in other buildings that you could play good or bad. Mm -hmm. You know, they would cheer for if you play good, but if you play bad, you know, it just, you, you can hear a pin drop. People are reading books in the stands. You're like, wow. You a know, little different, yeah. Yeah, a little <laughs> indifferent. So that's not really what, if you want to be, uh, uh, you know, keep your, yourself and, and your teammates accountable, that's not really what the, the fan base you want to play in front of, you yeah. know. So. And you know what? Some guys, I mean, uh, I'm sure are intimidated by that and, you know, don't like the home fans turning on them. But, I mean, you're a pro. You take it in stride. It's like, hey, you, you said, I'm going to be accountable if I'm not, doing what I'm supposed to do, <laughs> I'm going to get yelled at. You know, it's like there's, you know, you got three games in three nights or four games in five nights. You're tired. You're before the game. You, the fans do not take into account that you right. played in four different cities uh, and you travel all overnight uh, and you only had two or three hours of sleep. And They don't take that into account. Yeah. All they want is some effort and uh, hits and some good action. Yeah. And if they don't get it, they'll let you know. Yeah. So before the game, even if you're tired, you have if myself, my teammates were having maybe a coffee, you just look at yourself and you're like, all right, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't put in the effort, you're gonna let it. They're gonna even if you're really tired and you need a good warm up to right. really get into it and wake up. Yeah. Uh, there's nowhere to hide. You better bring it your A game today. <laughs> Well, you you played in Hershey and you played in Adirondack. Now, I like asking this question to you guys. What was the difference back in the day between the AHL and the IHL? Talent level. You're both AAA teams, but mm -hmm. you know, but AHL was more geared towards NHL prospects, where the IHL was more guys kind of coming down, a little older. You know, I, I think it was really, really similar. It was such a yeah. minute difference. Once you jump into play and you know, the, the the better teams in the IHL uh, were very similar to the better teams in the AHL. Um, you know, maybe a little bit younger in the AHL um, and maybe a tad faster, but then a little bit cagier, smarter in yeah. the IHL. So uh, talent-wise, I think it was very, very similar, and I couldn't tell a difference. You know, I right. really couldn't tell a difference between the AHL and the IHL. So. All the same to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what? I, I could tell a little bit of a difference, though, when I went from uh, uh, AAA to when we went AA. 
And that's and that's yeah, and that's really interesting because I mean, you were still a Triple A player. Sure. You had a contract with the Comets, and you go down to Double A. Yep. So you kind of yep. had to make a decision there. Sure, sure. And, and you know, like I, <clears throat> like at that time, um, you, you know, I felt like uh, playing when I was playing Triple A. I was always I was in the top three defensemen in the team. Sometimes second, sometimes ter- third, in my my first. 10 years of playing but then when we went to double a it seemed like then i was pretty much either number one or number two defenseman yeah you know in, in every year so you could tell in a little talent wise i hadn't gone better you know <laughs> right you know i i was getting older yeah but i went from the charts the depth charts of maybe third second or third best in the team to pretty much either number one or if yeah. number one yeah. close number close number two you know um but then again, uh, you know, it, I, I look at the, I go to the comic games now the last five, six, six years and geez, the, uh, the speed is so fast, you know, and, and uh, guys make plays so quick, you know, and, you know, I would like to see where it fares. You know, I, I know that the, yeah. the, the whole skating level in the NHL compared to 20, 25 years ago, if you, if you look at 90s NHL games and you look at Nowadays, that whole skating level is up, you know? That's, well, yeah, because it's not as physical as it used to be. Yeah, yeah not yeah. as physical yeah. and just faster, you know? And people, but back when I went to Detroit Red Wings training camp, Iserman and, and Fedorov were the fastest guys on the team, yeah. you know? And all the rest were like pretty much the same level or pretty close to the same level, but then you had two guys a little faster. <laughs> and now I, I look at Detroit Red Wings or I look at NHL teams and it's all... Eiserman or Fedorovs out there. They're all that <laughs> skating level. Yeah. You're like, wow, you know, where's yeah. the where's the drop off, you yeah. know? But uh, anyway. So, so what was it like? I mean, you went to camp with Fedorov and Eiserman, two of the best yeah. ever. What what kind of uh, stepping on the ice with yeah. that? I mean, what is what I mean, like you said, I mean, they were they were better than everybody else, but still mm-hmm. the thrill when you look at them, you're probably like, all right, I got to be at that level. I yeah. got to be you know, <clears throat> from my, from my perspective and, and what I experienced uh unfortunately the first the f- i went five years to training camp and the first four years um playing with those guys uh uh scrimmage with those guys i kind of let myself a little be let myself being be in a little awe you know You're right and, and i play my game but then sure. you know not hit eisman as hard or, or just being in awe a little bit and, and and then it's only the last year that i played that uh, or that I went to training camp that uh, uh, I was like, hey, I'm not, doesn't matter if it's Iserman or if it's Fedorov or whoever it is, I'm just going to play my game. And that's when I r- play my best, you know, uh, maybe a little bit too late, <laughs> uh, you know, for, for, for the scouts, the Detroit scouts or the general manager. But yeah, it was a little bit of a awe, you know, when I, when I got there. Yeah. First of all, I, I didn't, when I got there, I didn't have a stick pattern or anything. And then the trainer says, "Hey, look at all the sticks here. We'll go through all the the whole crew and and, and just pick out uh, one of the sticks. Uh, go, go through all the players and see which which pattern you like." Well, right away, I, it was between like five sticks, and Eiserman was one of them. I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna be, <laughs> I'm gonna take his pattern, you know?" Yeah. So I took uh, a Louisville 
uh, Eisman pattern, and that's yeah. what I had the first two, three years of yeah. pro, you know. But anyway. Uh, well, uh, and that was back when you could choose your own stick. Now it's, you know, it's you got to stick with the same company, whether it's CCM or Warrior, but you could yeah. play with anything back then. Yeah, no, you're, you're exactly yeah. right. You're exactly right. And, and uh, you know, m most of the guys out there, they were uh, pretty much pretty nice and, and pretty open talking to the rookies. And, you know, you know when we went to training camp there in Detroit, and it was like that for – I think all the other teams too. There was like sixty guys yeah. coming to camp, so sixty guys. So you got eighteen guys that played from the team before year before. There's a couple, maybe a couple spots open. There's another eighteen guys that play in the AHL, and then you got another eighteen twenty guys coming up from uh, college or or major junior or Europe trying to get one of those spots. Yeah. So it's not like you. There's only five guys trying for one or two <laughs> spots. There's you know, 40 guys, minors, and, uh, you know, guys coming up, trying out for two spots. Right. So, you know, it, it, you know and then they're like, everybody that gets drafted this year, you got other guys getting drafted next year. So there's a lot of competition for yeah. a couple of spots. And I guess <clears throat> it, it makes you realize once you go through the system that, wow, you know, I, I had a shot to, to, to making it, but... You know, it wasn't like a a, a Q win, or it wasn't like a, it was teed up and yeah. a non-miss because there's a lot of people there, first round, second round, third round, for five years in a row, were trying to to get a couple spots yeah. available. But um, now, once you get thrown into that mix, it doesn't matter where you were drafted. I mean, maybe the expectations are a little bit higher if you're first or second round, but you're in the door. You know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and he, here's what happens too. Um, here's what happens. As a general manager and scouts, when they look at a scrimmage, they got to have kind of have a game plan before training camp. They know there's a couple openings, a legit two or three openings, maybe a one defenseman, couple forwards. They almost got to see, okay, who's got a legit chance out of our um, 12 or 15 wingers yeah. to really you know, have uh, that one spot. And then they, they narrow it down to maybe two or three guys that have a legit chance, and they kind of focus Oops. on these guys yeah. because otherwise it gets too convoluted. That yeah, convoluted. I was going to say that word, but I was like, <laughs> uh, my French got in the way there. <laughs> convoluted, you know, it, it makes it really difficult to focus on everybody because at the end of two weeks you're like, ooh, yeah. So I understand the process now because I've been a coach myself and trying to pick out. Uh, younger kids to make a travel team. Um, and, and that's what happened my last year. Yeah. My fifth year had a heck of a, you know, personally, I thought it was my best training camp. I, you know, I, I didn't respect, I, you know, Eiserman, whoever it was, I, 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 you know, I played as hard as I possibly humanly can for two weeks. And then afterwards, when I got released to go uh, to Adirondack, um, you know, I went to, to see the general manager and I said, hey, you know, I, I really thought it was my best yeah. camp. In, uh, or before I even went to him, um, Eiserman came, in, or, or I said bye to Eiserman. He goes, Tiski, I thought you, you, you played a – I thought you, yeah. you'd have at least a couple games, it's still a couple games here because I thought you played yeah. – he said, I thought you played really good. And uh, I thought you, they'd give you at least a chance for a couple games. I was kind of, I'm yeah. kind of surprised. And then 
he you know he didn't know me you know he just knew me from training camp for five years but for him to say that you know uh and i believed him because i felt the same but anyway when i went to see the the general manager uh nick nick palano and i asked him i said hey why did i get released yeah. you know like i thought i had a heck of a training camp he goes gee you did have a heck of a training camp but i'm gonna be totally honest with you uh i already had penciled you in Oh, camp. So it didn't really matter how you played. He had that. That was the plan. So that was, he said, I had I had you penciled in before training camp to yeah. go back to Adirondack. So that's when I realized, like, ooh, okay, they really have to kind of narrow it down to right. two, three guys from how they played the year before and the year before right. that. Who's going to have a chance? Because otherwise it, it, get, it gets way too convoluted <laughs> up there so i like that i'm gonna use that more often you know it's a great I, word i might not pronounce it as well as you but i'm gonna use it you know <laughs> is there a word for convoluted in french uh it, yeah it's it would be um uh nuage beaucoup nuage i'm not even like gonna try that <laughs> <laughs> well uh, speaking of french we have a, a now have a french team in in the echl uh up in quebec city so you know, a lot of the guys who uh, who uh, speak French as their first language, you know, immediately uh, bolted uh, to there. So, I mean, I liked asking about that when guys, when either bilingual or someone like Lily Legault who just spoke French, you know, how, what kind of a transition that is and what, you know, I mean, you go into a locker room, obviously you're going to gravitate to the guy who speaks French. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, I know. Like my, myself growing up, um, you, you know, I was French. But my French was different than guys like right. Olivier. Like uh, he's got the French, the Quebec French, you know. So uh, I remember my first uh, couple of years when I went to, uh, to to Hull. Half of my team, or a third of my team, was English from the states, and, and uh, two thirds were from Quebec. And um, actually, my my head coach was uh, uh, Pat Burns for the first year, and then Alain Vigneault, who was in uh, uh, Philly right now for that for ne my next three years. But anyway. So at least one third was English and two thirds was, were French, and I remember my teammates saying, "Geez, Guy, you have a hard time speaking English. You got a hard time speaking Quebec French. W what language do you speak?" <laughs> I'm like, "Unfortunately, it's like in the mix, a little bit in the, in the middle there." So when I talk to Legs, when I talk to Olivier Lego, uh, you know, he laughs at some of the <laughs> things I say, you know, and I kind of laugh a little bit at some of the things he says in English. But uh, so anyway, it, it, it's all good. But um, yeah, so m most of the time, French guys kind of gravitate towards the French guys and English towards English a little bit. But uh, um, it's funny, uh, uh, Legs, when he first uh, came here, like in 2007 or 8, uh, he spoke a little bit of English, very, yeah. very uh, thick, not thick, but very thick <laughs> French <laughs> accent and, and uh, uh, very... Uh, you know, minimal language, you know. So all yeah. the prompts to him that, you know, he, year after year, his English got better and better and better. And, and, uh, and now to become a, it's one thing to to have a, just a career playing hockey. You're like, well, he doesn't have to speak that much. But he's now he's an assistant coach. Yeah. You know, you got to communicate constantly. And for a guy that showed up with minimal English, uh, I promise to him, you know. So. <laughs> well, one of my favorite Olivier stories was when he was started to be an assistant coach. Uh, a couple of the guys were on the bench speaking French. Didn't know that Olivier spoke French. And he says, I know what you said. <laughs> my, one, one of my favorite uh, leg story or the, or the ghost story is 
he was he was the head coach of my my, my son in midget um midget triple a here in town and i was assistant assistant coach and we we're in dress room and he was really mad you know guys weren't playing you know uh, as well as he wanted the expectation that he had for them and he was yelling at them or or you know uh, going off and on and he goes you guys you guys have the biggest egos that i know <laughs> your egos get in the way all the time <laughs> and then <laughs> then it cut, half the team started laughing you know and then I, you know, me too. Was, I had a hard time stopping laughing. Even it was a serious moment. And then afterwards, after he was done, I'm like, like you, know, you said, egos, and not, uh, instead of instead of egos, he goes, did I? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so that's one of my favorite. The egos got in the way. Well, I my dad English was his second language, so I grew up around that, and you would laugh every time he would say something like that. <laughs> So your your dad was what he was he was uh, Arabic he was oh. yeah so I'm first generation born in the states so okay uh, so my dad uh, I mean I, I share that story he didn't speak a word of English when he when he came over I mean he did not speak a word mm. uh, so he uh, I think I've told the story on the show a couple of times but uh, you know he's in New York he gets off at Ellis Island he doesn't know where to go doesn't know they directed him to the YMCA. They gave him directions. That was it. And he had eaten anything. He, you know, and how he figured out how to how to get something to eat is that he followed somebody into a diner, sat next to him, and listened to what he said. And he repeated what he said. That was his first meal in America. That's, and uh, I wish I could remember what it was, but he could always remember. He could always tell you, you know, what exactly he ordered. Wow, <laughs> hats off. You know, I guess it's survival mode. Yeah. You do what you have to do, and you know. yeah. Your senses get really keen when you need to eat and yeah. you know survive, but that's just amazing, you know. Yeah, which uh, is very courageous. And so. Olivier didn't have to go through that; he had you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you know, you were here for so long, and you had so many younger players come in. I mean, were, were you like the dad in the room? Did you become that guy? Oh, uh, you know, I wouldn't like to. Um, I probably did, you know. Uh, um, but, but I, I, you know, I didn't see myself as the dad. I, I, I just saw, you know, <coughs> I, I was very competitive. I'm still very competitive in nature, e even though I'm not a, I don't have any mean streak in me yeah. whatsoever. Uh, you know, and I don't get mad that easy on the ice. Uh, I'm very, very competitive. So every year, even though, um, you know, guys were half my age. I was 38. They were 19, 20, 21. Yeah. I was 39, 40. You know, and they probably saw me like, ooh, you know, I'm playing <laughs> with my dad here. You know, I just saw saw them as, as teammates, and, and I played against guys uh, their age, and I was just trying to compete for everything on the ice. You know, every – I know it's kind of a saying, every inch out there, every battle, uh, you know, uh, every game I was just trying to compete to win – that shift, win that period, and it didn't matter the age. But but yes, it was, and it kind of dawned on me, uh, like in 2008 when um, Justin Hodgman was my a roommate in the hotel, yeah, uh, hotel room, and I'd pick up the phone, call my wife, and, and talk to her, uh, you know, every other night or or every night, and he'd be texting all, <laughs> all night long. I'm like Justin. 
why don't you just pick up the phone and call all these people? You'll right. be done in 30 minutes. He goes, oh, no, texting is... Not the point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then that's when I felt like, uh, you know, the younger guys, now I text all the time myself. Right, right. But back then, it was just like the start of the texting, yeah. you know, and, and all the young guys texted all the time. They had Facebook, and I was like, guys, Facebook, <laughs> what are you guys, why are you guys spending all that time? You know, so I, I felt like there was a maybe a little bit of a generation gap from the some of the things they did compared to what i did but then when we were in the ice it was like we're all the same age it was like there was one puck it was either giving me or or my opposition or or you know and then i was trying to find my uh, my teammate that uh, 20 years old or whatever i'm gonna try to get whatever i can to give him the the puck on on the stick you know so um you forget all the that age gap. Once so uh, Al Sims put the oldest guy and the youngest guy in the same that's, room together. Right. I, I'm sure that was probably by design, that, by some to, you know. Total design, <laughs> total design. You know, he probably and then Justin probably felt guilty at times to you know go out too late or whatever because he had dad as his roommate. You know. Yeah, right. Well, that's probably T- what it was. He made dad. You know. So. <laughs> so why? Do you, what was? I mean, the secret to your longevity because you're. I mean. Most games played in Comet history, uh, I mean, such the longevity. I mean, and you were yeah. never injured. You were, I mean, yeah. you talk about bumps and bruises and getting older. I mean, you didn't miss a beat. Yeah. Um, you know, number one thing, uh, if I can explain that, uh, to be honest, uh, I'm fairly religious and Christian. And, you know, I every day, every morning I, I prayed, you know, God, please help me, just protect me. Uh, I'm, I'm in an environment. Uh, I'm in a jungle, little yeah, jungle out there, <laughs> and, and please help me, protect me. Yeah. You know, and uh, you know, after 21 years, uh, you know, my shoulder hurts a little bit right now. Uh, cartilage are, is a little bit. Uh, uh, you know, some of the cartilage is missing, but besides that, you know, I, I feel great, and I, so I feel very blessed, and I, I feel that I was protected. Uh, you know, by you know. I was protected there yeah. uh, uh, by God, you know, uh, a lot of times. Sometimes I was in front of the net, and I can't tell you how many times, Shane, battling in front of the net, pushing uh, the other team, uh, pushing the opposition, and then not even kind of losing the puck in sight. And then all of a sudden, I'd look up, and the puck would whiz by my face, you know, at 95 miles an hour by inches. And it would happen, like, every two, three weeks, you know. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. That was so close, yeah. you know, like I was very thankful, very yeah. appreciative and thankful that, so number one, I just felt that, you know, God blessed me by protecting me a lot of times, you know, and, uh, and besides that, I, <coughs> I, I, I took a pride in trying to stay in shape off the ice yeah. in the summertime, even during the winter, uh, you know, I, I try to stay on the, uh, after practice and just working on my skills, try to, you know, try to uh, keep up with the younger and faster guys, so. <laughs> Now you were part of five five championships teams here in Fort Wayne. Uh, did did you have a favorite team out of those five? I know it's hard to pick one, but uh, I mean, obviously, different personalities in all five. Yeah. Um, actually, I was part of four, four with the comments, and then five. My my fifth one was Adirondack. There we go. Okay. Um, my math is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember a lot of things, but that I was like, "Ooh, I got to make the calculation here." I got five comments. Like, geez, which one's the fifth one? Um, yeah, so uh, I won ninety two, ninety three. Um, you know, that was just magical. Um, 
See, there, there's two uh, two out of the top four here was 92, 93 in, in uh, uh, 07, 08. And I'll tell you why. 92, 93, we, we really shouldn't have beat uh, right. San Diego. And it's just the way that the guys, uh, they over everybody overachieve, especially Pokey Reddick. And, you know, it was just uh, everybody played a, a level above uh, with confidence and, um, you know, everything was going our way, you know. And yeah. when you went 12-0, it, it was just amazing. Uh, it was amazing to be 8-0. and And then we, we played against uh, San Diego the last series, and I'm looking at their healthy scratch for the, the series against us after the practice, pregame practice. And a lot of those guys would be in our second line <laughs> of our team, you know. And I'm like, whoa, we're playing yeah. a really good team because those guys play in the NHL for a long time and they can't make their healthy scratch, you know. <laughs> and, you know, behind Pokey Reddick's lead, uh, we had momentum. And uh, so that was just magical. And, and it, it was just amazing that to, to, to go one shift at a time, one period at a time. And I, I felt like if we uh, give them an inch, that they were going to take a feat and we we're going to lose the whole momentum and we we're going to yeah. lose at any time. Even if it was three games to nothing for us, the fourth game, I felt like after two periods, even if we we're ahead, if they win this <laughs> game, good, good right. chance we never get the momentum again because yeah. they're they're really literally yeah. Yeah. better. Uh, so that was a magical year. Then, then you know, I had won two out of my first three years of professional. I was very blessed to be able to uh, to win two championships, and I kind of took it not take it for granted, but I thought, wow, this kind <laughs> of <a, laughs> easy. Yeah, like this is you know this winning championship is somewhat easy, and I'll probably you know if I play ten years, I'll probably end up with a lot of cups. Yeah. But then I went uh, fourteen or fifteen years without winning, and I was like, oh, am I ever going <laughs> to win again? You know. So the two thousand eight. Yeah. Um, Cup when we went triple overtime uh, against Port Huron, so special, you know. Uh, going to the third ga game seven, triple overtime, you know. In uh, anybody could have won, us or them. They had their chances. We had our, our chances in, in triple overtime. Just one goal decides who wins the cup. Uh, I just remember going on the ice after the intermission, and everybody was kind of either eating their, uh, you know, their, their, their fingernails or everybody was like intense. And I thought to myself, I'm so happy I'm on the ice here. <laughs> I got to do something about the results compared to the, all these guys are so nervous. The rest man. of us who were just dying. Yeah, it's like, I'm so happy I'm on the ice, you know. I get to play and, and stay in the moment here. But but that that was uh, really exciting in, in its own way just because of the – yeah. Game seven, triple overtime. And your roommate was the one who scored the uh, the game. Yeah, before. yeah. But didn't uh, we uh, – that game is – I mean, it's still in my head. You know, that a couple minutes left, you got a one-goal lead. They pull the goaltender, and it's a bad – did it go off your skate? Is Am I remembering that, that a deflection went off your skate and in the net, and now we're going Shane, to triple Why? <laughs> I felt so good about my career. Why would you have to bring that up, you know? Come on, but man, you're killing me. You're I, killing me. I can still see it in slow motion going uh, in off of your skate and well, past Bush. And, uh, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what. Um, I was in front of that, um, pushing a guy, trying to keep him off uh, in, in front of Bush's sight. And I wasn't looking exactly where the puck was coming from. Yeah. I was just turning, pushing. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden I feel the puck hit my skate. And I had the sense going through my body, like, yeah. ooh, that might be going towards the net. 
And, and then all of a sudden, like a second later, yeah. you know, they're they're screaming and jumping. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and I was like, beside the net. Yeah. I was like uh, two, three feet beside the net. Yeah. So he was going to miss the net. And he, and, and he shot on purpose beside because people yeah. were trying to block the puck. Yeah. That's the only outlet. So the guy in the point, it, I think it might have been Lart, Lardner. Uh, that shot to try to miss guys. Well, I'm beside keeping the other guy from going in front of that. So weird. And, and what a weird and and, and uh, not good feeling, you know. <laughs> not, but uh, it's one of those things that happens so fast. And uh, uh, so in that, that moment, then it's like, well, forget about that. And, and yeah. it's like the next goal wins. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so, so, so sorry. <laughs> Well, let's get back together and let's try to win this game. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. That'll just gave us some more hockey that, that, that that's year. That's right. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. it was too boring for the fans. You know, let's make it <laughs> make it more exciting and go three overtimes, yeah. guys. I, I mean, I mean, you were you know, I mean, you were gassed. I mean, I'm, I'm I can't imagine what you guys feel. I mean, in a game. I mean, I don't care what kind of shape you're in. I mean, a sure. game. Not only you've gone three overtimes, but now it's a game seven. It's mentally exhausting, sure. far more than physical exhausting, I think, at this point. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. I'll tell you how, uh, maybe mentally, yes, but I felt it physically. My second overtime, at the end of the second overtime, we had a power play, and uh, we were in their zone. It was like the weaning times of the, the last uh, over, or the, the second period, and they dumped the puck. They got the puck in their zone. We were in their zone. They finally got it. They dumped it out. And I had to turn to go get it. And my legs started cramping on me. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. You know, and, and I was, while skating, trying to stretch. And and I felt the cr cramp, you know, coming on different places in my legs. I was like, uh-oh. Like, I'm reaching my limit here. Yeah. Got the puck, and I gave it to somebody else, and I got off the ice, and I was like, ooh. So between the second and the third, I just drank so much. And I, I did the whole time, but I drank some Gatorade and water. I knew I, re I reached physically yeah. kind of my limit when my legs are cramping <laughs> like that, you know. And So uh, I don't know how long I could have lasted in the third period. I'm glad it was the first <laughs> shift. Something <laughs> happened, you know. And it's funny because when Justin scored the goal, I was on the ice, uh, that, that power play, and I jumped in the air. As soon as I jumped in the air, my legs cramped again. I was like, "Oh, <laughs> it was that close of, you know, uh, I had pushed my body. That it was that close to cramping any second, you know." So, yeah. and the guys wanted to, they were jumping on each other, and for a while I was like, "Hey, don't jump on me!" Just keep, you know, I was trying to stretch my legs, and I had no, I could barely stand myself up. For I, I would have never been able to support anybody jumping on me, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that was the night you guys broke the cup. It was a brand new cup. You guys broke it. <laughs> Shane, two things you're bringing up to me here. I broke the cup, Shane. You're I trying know to be, you did. You're trying to be really I'm polite. Trying to be nice. You're trying to be way too polite. And it, you know, it's so funny to, to add uh, breaking the cup on your resume. You know, and that's why I have on my resume, Shane. 21 years of pro and broke a cup. But it, it was it was a new the new IHL and it was a brand new cup. Brand new, yeah. brand new cup. It was, and I'll tell you what, it was probably. It was uh, uh, around 70 pounds of... Yeah, it was a sturdy... Because I brought the yeah. cup at my house, and I put yeah. it on the scale, and it was like 69 to 71 pounds, uh, the wooden cylinders. And, and uh, I'll tell you what, when whoever made the cup never tested it and turned it sideways right. to hold it. Right, and the cup was the thing that oh, popped off. Oh, so the cup was... It, it was a few tacks that was holding the cup part. I was very... Um, 
fortunate that I didn't bring it on top of my head <laughs> and it because it was only halfway when I turned it sideways and it broke it, w it was right on my shoulder height and it just leaned on my shoulder it could have really fell on the ground or it could have fell on top of my head give me another concussion you know so but anyway um, well, maybe that would have been good give me a good concussion so I would have forgot that I <laughs> went off my right. that goal is going off my skate there to tie the whole game but well, uh, well, after the puck goes off your skate and then you break the cup uh, that probably would have been I'm going to call it a career that, that's I'm right done. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> done that's it but it was funny once the cup broke and then I was like, oh, and then the guys were laughing. We're all laughing. And then um, Woods, um, Woods, he took uh, the cup part and then he put it on top of his head, <laughs> turned it sideways, <laughs> you know, and, and, and then started raising the roof. And, and oh, my God, that was so funny. But but the rest of the time when we hoisted the cup, it was only the trophy part. It wasn't the, the cup was not right. part of it. But, uh, well, you had a, uh, all these championships. You had a lot of days with the cup. I mean, yeah. well, what did you do with them? What was uh, the party? <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have any crazy party uh, for say, but uh, I did invite a lot of some of my friends, some uh, families and friends, and, and uh, took some pictures with it and had some parties at our house. Uh, uh, and, and then also at that time, um, I, I brought it to different um, different companies that had supported the comments yeah. for a while like perfection bakery and uh, uh, a lot of the companies that were big big supporters i just brought a cup to those places and took pictures with some yeah. of their uh, employees and just 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 to say thank you for so uh, you know i had the cup you're right uh, three <laughs> two or three weeks at my house you know and, and brought it to different places and uh, had a couple parties at our house but uh any that was pr pretty neat you know so you uh you actually played against the Comets for a brief time. You played in Kalamazoo. So how hard was that coming back to this building? I mean, yeah. you were living here. You, you went to Kalamazoo. Were you going back and forth, or did you actually move to Kalamazoo? No, we, for that year we had we rented an apartment, and we, yeah. we stayed there, you know. It, you know, in the first couple games, it was really weird. Yeah. Mostly the first game. And I just remember uh, first couple of shifts. Uh, it was off preseason, I believe. Got the puck in, in my – and, and then I had to think twice because I was just used to black and orange, you know. And, and it was like, yeah. oh, whoa, you know, I'm not going to pass there. And it, because it's such instinct. Yeah. You get the puck and you got to move move it quick. And a few times I got, you know, uh, it was preseason, but I caught, I got my, uh, I stopped myself because I was going to pass it quick <laughs> to the Comets. And, and, you know, after playing eight years of a certain jersey. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it, it, you know, it, it was really weird. It, uh, I always liked coming to, to play here in, in Fort Wayne because the, the, the fans are so into it. And, and before the game, I was more nervous than any other rink that I'd play because I knew, hey, there's going to be 8,000 fans yeah. and uh, none of these 8,000 fans are going to cheer for me. Uh, they're going to, yeah. you know, boo and yell you know, <laughs> uh, uh, against us, you know. And uh, that's where I realized how vocal behind the, at that time, how vocal the, uh, the fans were behind the uh, visiting bench. I had never realized right. that as a comet or, player. Yeah. Never paid attention to that. But as a uh, Kalamazoo wing, skating, being tired, skating to the, the, the bench, uh, you hear all kinds of stuff coming at you, you know. Yeah. So some rated, some not so rated, <laughs> you know, R rated R. But um, um, that's when I realized how vocal into it be those guys were, you know, so. Did you ever, I mean, uh, you had kids, obviously, they were coming to the games. I mean, did they ever hear anything? I mean, like, 
something like someone said something about you. I mean, did they ever hear oh. anything like that, or did that bother them? Or I'm sure your wife maybe heard. Some yeah. Stuff? Oh, I'm sure. You know, uh, but I think it was just part of the landscape. You yeah. know, um, if they did hear it, it, it didn't bother them or whatever. It, it, you know, my daughter, I believe she was eight or probably nine or ten when I retired. My son was uh, seven or eight, you know. Um, and they were just used to, you know, fans at times not being happy and, and yelling at the ref or yelling at the, you know. So w one thing that it bothered them a little bit, it was one, the one time that we, we played a playoff game in Muskegon and the, the fans got r rambunctious and started yelling stuff at the Comet fans after the game and, you know, yeah. I just remember coming home after the game and my wife being, you know, very uh, kind of upset a little bit. My kids were like, oh, we didn't know if we were going to leave this place alive. <laughs> you know, the fans <laughs> were yelling at us and, and walking outside, you know, yelling all kinds of stuff and swearing at us and this and that. And so, um, it, you know, that's the one time that, <laughs> you know, I, I felt that it, it, it affected them. Yeah. But anything that the Comet fans said you know yeah. i never really you know they put you know even if they said dupuy come on hit somebody or you know <laughs> wake up you know it didn't really bother them too much right. they're probably like you're right, right. come on dad <laughs> they're probably joined the the, heck, the heckler at that time so well you're one of the guys obviously one of the greats you got your number retired and, and you're another one of these guys who stayed in fort wayne i mean it's it's tremendous that you're mm -hmm. able to stay here and uh you know, uh, so many guys. I mean, obviously, you, you guys obviously probably have a club. You guys, <laughs> you know, probably see and talk to each other all the time. But, um, no, it's fantastic. I mean, just a, a, a testament to the organization, the city, that you guys decide to stay here. I mean, sure. you know, you know it, it's, it's a great city. I love I love this city. I love the, the fans. Um, and I made a lot of friendships while I was playing here. Um, you, you know, and, it, and it's, it's a... Um, it, you know, it's it's not a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's not an active city like Detroit or Chicago. It, it's somewhat, uh, you know, contained, yeah. um, lack of a better word. Uh, but the one big factor in a lot of people that stayed in Fort Wayne is that they married somebody from Fort Wayne. <laughs> I think that's pretty much the you know? consensus, yeah. And, and maybe I would have <laughs> still stayed here. Uh, because I, I, you know, had a lot of friendships and, and I, I loved it here, uh, but you know, to to be able to sell to you, you know, your wife that uh, grew up here and has all her friends yeah. and family here, it's got to be a good sell. If it's not like yeah. somewhere in Florida where it's really warm that yeah. you're gonna move to, yeah, you're not gonna sell it too e too easy. And, and try to sell to her to to go to Canada where there's three four <laughs> times more snow and colder than here. Good luck, you know. So. Uh, you know, a lot of the comments that see here, I think that was a big factor. Yeah. Determining factor, yeah. you know. So. Well, I mean, we are so grateful that you uh, put on the orange and black for so many years and uh, you're part of the community. And now uh, here's your plug. I'm going to let you go. What do you do now, my brother? <laughs> Let's go ahead and give you a little bit of a commercial because you can do something with a sure. comment legend here. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is what I do. Now I'm with, I'm working with the, the funeral home and um, uh, I help people. Uh, prearrange their funeral, their funeral services, uh, funeral products, and also help them prearrange their cemetery space or products uh, so they don't leave a burden on their spouse or their loved ones. You know, 
so that's what I do. I help people prearrange. I work with uh, Dignity Memorial, which is, uh, you know, Dio McComb uh, Funeral Home, uh, Sloan's on Wells, Hockamara Miller on St. Joe, Elsie uh, Patterson, Clay Fall Mountain Funeral Home, um, you know, Greenlawn Funeral Home, but also uh, cemeteries. We, we we got Lindenwood Cemetery, Greenlawn Cemetery, um, and, and we got Highland Park Cemetery that you know help people pick up their spaces and, and their monument and stuff. So so that's what I do, um, you know. And I and I got into business because one of my uh, uh, one of my neighbors did this with Dio McComb, and, and, and now is is not there anymore. But uh, at the time COVID hit, uh, you know, I was asking how things were going. And, and she said, wow, we can't keep up with people calling in Yeah, that want to see options because yeah. they're scared of right, COVID right. and they don't want their kids to end up with everything. And, they, you know, they won't want to burden their kids, their family. They want to see options. And we, we have a hard time keeping up. And that's when I kind of realized, like, whoa, myself, everybody here is a potential customer. Either we do it, we prearrange stuff, and we push stuff into place beforehand, or if we don't, then the kids at the time of passing will have to take care of it. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, 50% of the time in the funeral home, we see that every, w every week that, you know, kids have to, uh, you know, make decisions for their parents and, and pay for their parents for, for decisions, you know. And, and, uh, uh, but there's another 50% of the people that, you know, somewhat responsible and say, hey, we got to do this because yeah. we don't want our kids to go take a loan to yeah. bury me or to yeah. do at my funeral services. So anyway, when I saw that everybody's a potential customer, I'm like, ooh, this is great. Like everybody's going to pay, everybody should pay taxes and pretty much have to pay taxes <laughs> and everybody's going to die at some point, you know, yeah. nobody's going to dodge that. So it's either, you know, a, a, a person decides to be responsible and do it beforehand or, or, or if they want to get back to their kids and say, wow, these, my kids were, Hellions as teenagers, and I want them <laughs> to pay for this and, and do my decisions. You know, a, a, a few people told me that they're so. It was so funny. They're like, you know, we want to, I want to get back to our kids. You know, we want them to pay for this. You know, they're gonna be stuck with it. Love it. But if, but anyway, so so, so that's what I do, and and, uh, and and part of my job too is is uh, I I do that, but also I follow up us my, myself. Uh, uh, and other people that do the same thing, we gotta follow. We have to follow up with every services to make sure people, were, the family was happy, and we give them grief management material, and we give them uh, like a checklist to help them out to close out the estate, and we give them resources to help them out afterwards. And uh, so, hey, I, I've met a lot of families that are grieving families, and uh, um, you know, not an easy situation. Uh, some people have a hard time even getting to funeral home to meeting me to receiving their, yeah. their grief management material and the ma material I gave them, they had a hard time speaking because every other word they would be crying because they, they lost their spouse or their, their daughter or wha yeah. whoever. Uh, but I, I feel that, uh, you know, not everybody could probably be in that position. I feel though that uh, I feel like I'm helping people and I love doing that, you know. I, I love uh, helping people there at the funeral uh, afterwards but also uh, give them peace of mind that uh, there won't be any burden on their kids by prearranging. So I, I, I really like what I'm doing. I feel like I, uh, that's what I'm called to do right now at the moment, and, and I love what I'm doing. Breaking cups and sending you to the afterlife. That's what Guy Dupuis is doing nowadays. Thank <laughs> you, my man. I do appreciate you coming in. This was a blast.
Thank you, Shane. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. Guy Dupuis, everybody. One of the all-time comet legends. It was great to talk to him as uh, he was a perfect subject to bring us back to our normal interview format here on the show. And that's what we'll keep on doing. We'll maybe have a few more surprises for you uh, along this season. It's going to be a long season, so we're going to have a lot of great interviews for you. Thank you for tuning in to this one. I have been your host, Shane Alberani, and you've been listening to the Huntington University Comets Podcast.